I mean, would it not be cool if everybody basically no, had a, a, no, a, f- no, a formula? No, no, it would not be cool if there was an ISO standard for thoughtfulness that I have to meet up oh, with. That no, scares no, me. that would yeah. not be cool. Friends and enemies, welcome to Bad Voltage Season 3, Episode 37. My name is Stuart Langridge, and I'm here with Jeremy Garcia and Jono. I didn't think of a name. <laughs> oh. I know. I, I even thought... You bollock him every time for not thinking of a name, and then every he went time. ahead and didn't think of a name. I know, and I even thought to myself, I'll do it about Jono, as like a nice like tables are turned thing. And then, yeah, and then I forgot to call him Jono Ursula Bacon, so it's just all gone wrong. <laughs> Ursula. I don't know where that came from. (laughs) Isn't that like a bad woman in a Disney movie or something like that? Anyway. Yeah, uh, yeah, actually, yes. Based on that amazing start to the show, what are we going to talk about? So, we're going to talk about Facebook, because there's been uh, quite a lot of Facebook stuff happening recently. Now, importantly, this is not about the uh, the recent outage that happened a few days before this show, mostly because if that's proved anything, it's that... Basically, everyone on Twitter is already an expert on BGP and doesn't need our help explaining it. So, <laughs> um, so instead, what I wanted to talk about was the whistleblower, or more accurately, the more than one whistleblower. Um, but most recently, Francis Horgan, who is, um, I'm not sure, is that how it's pronounced? I'm not actually sure. I've heard a bunch of different pronunciations. I, th- I think so. I, w- I watched the 60 Minutes interview, and I th- I think that's how it's pronounced. Yes, yeah. that was my thought, but yes. So um, she has accused uh, Facebook of putting profit ahead of safety, of uh, using um, Instagram to essentially tacitly encourage um, uh, young girls to do health-damaging things, or more accurately, to not put enough effort in to stop this sort of thing happening. And right. so this whole conversation has blown up. Now, this conversation is something that we've been, we've talked about a little bit before and people have uh, touched on before. And we've seen quite a lot of appetite in governments for some kind of regulation of big tech. And at the same time, we've seen quite a lot of um, appetite for advisors to government to remember that tech is more than just Facebook <laughs> and <laughs> to stop coming up with things which regulate Facebook and as a sort of unintended side effect, entirely flatten the rest of the internet. <laughs> but we'll leave all that to one side. There's a couple of questions that I think it would be interesting for us to investigate. The first one is Francis Horgan and Facebook themselves have said that they have reduced hate speech on their platform and division and uh, things in this area by a reasonable degree. Horgan then goes on to say they could do a lot more, but they choose not to do so. Okay, we basically, I think, all believe that to be the truth. Yes, um, yes, uncontroversial on, on, on opinion. Yes. Uh, yes. So <laughs> obviously, Facebook themselves assume Horgan is correct. Assu- um, obviously, Facebook themselves could elect to do better. They could try harder than they're doing. They don't seem to want to. Whatever their reasons are, leave those to one side. What can be done to make them do so? You know, you can't have some government department in the business of micromanaging how fa- what Facebook tell their programmers to do. That's ridiculous. So 
what can be done? And then the second question is, assume Facebook genuinely did want to fix these problems, the hate speech causes on their platform and for the world. <laughs> what can they do? Is there anything that they can do more than they are currently doing? When when they say we're doing the best we can and look at the results we've had, do we think they're telling the truth? And if we don't think they're telling the truth, what should they be doing and are not? Those are the questions I think it would be interesting to address, and I'd be interested in your thoughts on them. There's a lot, a lot to unpack there. There um, is. There's so you, you said that you, you dismissed. It seemed to me regulation out of hand. Was that a misinterpretation of how you worded that, or that's a? Uh, if if I worded it that way, that wasn't correct. Um, I I'm not dismissing regulation. My point is, I'd be I'm interested in what that regulation should say. Because that regulation is presumably not yeah. going to say the government get to appoint all Facebook's middle managers. But sure. equally, you can't have regulation which says you must do better, Facebook, or you will be punished because it's not so, boarding yeah, other, school. Otherwise, it's just a down with this sort of thing sign <laughs> exactly. at that point. <laughs> the, the regulation just says be better. That's that's not enough, it yeah. turns out. <laughs> so, and, and importantly, down with that sort of thing signs are meant to be directed against the government. The government themselves aren't allowed to hold them up about other people. That's not how it <laughs> the, the one thing that fascinated me is one of the proposed solutions that is being uh, debated here. And, and another fascinating thing as the, the one American on the, the panel here is this seems to be the first thing that both sides of Congress have agreed on since a, a very long – I can't even remember when. So it's, it's – that Dred in Scott. Its, Then it of itself is interesting. <laughs> but one of, the, one of the things they called for was, quote, a new agency of digital experts that has the agility to deal with the ever-evolving digital market. Uh, and this is a pretty optimistic idea. And the way they defined this was the agency would bring tech industry leaders into dialogue with federal representatives, quote unquote, ideally digital natives, to determine an agreed upon set of behavioral standards later codified and enforced by the agency through monitoring, monetary penalties, and disgorgement. Unlike existing agencies, this new agency created from scratch would allow the implementation of modern management practices and policies capable of keeping pace with a fast moving industry. So I, I, there is. <laughs> it reminds it reminds me of. Do you remember when Trump first got in and there was that meeting where all the tech execs sat around that big table, yeah, all awkwardly kind of staring at each other. That sounds like that. <laughs> that was so many words to say, not not a lot. But I don't know how you spin up a new federal agency that is suddenly nimble, unlike the rest of of the agencies. So no. And government is not good at this sort of thing. I mean, we talked um last week, uh, last sorry, last show, when I explicitly said I went to talk to the regulator on a different topic, but nonetheless. And so I'm obviously in favour of this kind of regulation and assisting with these kind of agencies. And even so, you can't ex expect a government agency to be on top of the tech industry. That's just not how so, it works. And it, one interesting thing here that's only maybe tangentially related is I've come to the thought recently and this is very new for me that governments actually shouldn't be all that nimble because that makes them capricious and if there's one thing you don't yes. want your government to be is capricious so them being a little bit slow to react and things taking the bureaucracy actually i think and like i said i'm still mentally get going through this with myself a little bit but i think it's actually a good thing because it prevents wild swinging changes that just yes. keep oscillating yeah. with the moment 
so I don't know that we even want this, uh, even if it was ideally implemented. But uh, it, it is, it is a, it, it's an argument I've heard before, at least partially because it's part of the sort of underlying unspoken reason for the House of Lords being the upper chamber here in the UK, that they're meant to provide a sort of stuck in the mud, not changing very fast, um, yeah. slow yeah. to adopt new ideas basis for government. And when you're, when you're hoping that they will move, or when you're hoping that the American government will move faster, it can be very frustrating. But yeah, it's not a wholly bad thing. It strikes me that, you know, we've talked in the past about, I think it might have been on the last show as well, where we were talking about um, competing in entrenched markets. Like when we were talking about, you know, Apple and Google have basically ruled the roost in the app stores. Um, you know, one argument to... Um, changing these kinds of things is that the market decides that that they want that the market wants something else that's clearly not going to happen with facebook it's too big of a beast yep. so therefore to me there's two other things that will impact their policy and decision making either they're regulated or somehow it impacts their the their financials and the financials is thoroughly in their in their domain right now i don't think they're going to start making any less money anytime soon so unfortunately i think regulation is kind of the only real option that's on the table in terms in terms of making meaningful changes the problem is i agree with both of you guys like governments are generally not very good at this they're often kind of slow moving and the problem with this is that like ax said right at the beginning of this how do you define what we actually want them to this, do? This is exactly my point. <laughs> I, I, I mean, there, there are a lot of conversations which uh, a lot of people, including us, have had over the last somewhere in between one and ten years, saying Facebook should be regulated. But no one seems to go on to say what that regulation should say beyond down with this sort of thing, which, as you say, we can't do. So Right. And I think, to me, part of the problem with a lot of the way that regulation actually ends up being implemented will, in the end, help Facebook, not hurt them, because they have the resources to do a whole bunch of regulatory things that a, a, a upstart will not have, and it will prevent competition. Yes. And, yeah, this is exactly kind of – the point that I was making about advisors to government. So if you look at um, Heather Burns and the Open Rights Group here in the UK, they've made a very strong play that if you are the government and you're looking to regulate tech, you're not allowed to think the words Facebook. Because if you make laws which are basically about Facebook, exactly as you say, Facebook go, oh, we have to do all this stuff? Okay, let's just pay 10,000 people to do it. Right. Their Their department for that regulation will be larger than the startups they're competing with. Yes, the amount that department spends on post-its will be larger yes. than the startups they're competing with. So yeah. I guess then on one side you have, should Facebook be broken up? Because that would be one form of, of regulation. And the other one would be, if you were to not break them up, but were to regulate a different way, what would that regulation look like? Okay, so I have I have a little short story, which is not... Um, entirely right i don't think and i'm not 100 percent sure about it but <laughs> other than that it's going to be great yeah, yeah, really yeah. selling it i have a short story that's that's it's incorrect <laughs> but it's short so don't worry i'm i i, I appreciate i appreciate that i'm reaching a bit here but that's because i've spent a week thinking about this and i don't i still don't have a very good handle on what I think should happen, but this is the kernel of an idea. So there's a guy called Lewis Barclay, and he wrote a browser extension called Unfollow Everything. Okay. So Facebook allow you to individually go in and unfollow friends or groups or pages or whatever to remove stuff from the newsfeed. Yes. 
And so Lewis Barkley wrote a tool which un- which unfollows everything and lets you build it all up from scratch. And Facebook, like, insta-banned this guy. <laughs> and they talked a big game about how now the thing you've done is you've created software which automates user interactions with Facebook, and that's not allowed. But I am 100% convinced that the reason they came down really hard on this is because they don't want you to do that. And it made me start thinking in terms of if Facebook were required to allow third parties to interact with them, not just by being able to just ban a whole bunch of interactions as we don't like that. So you innate, this is a very kind of open source nerd way of thinking about a problem and solving a social problem through technological means, which I rampantly disagree with, but some sort of effort to mandate you know, not quite a standardized Facebook API, but requiring... What you really want is an open graph. Yeah, which you have, but at the moment, it's very much Facebook provides and you consume. Um, so being, if you allow people to improve Facebook in Facebook's, in ways that Facebook doesn't like, but the consumers do like, then does that help? I mean, this is part of what John is saying about the market. At the moment, the market can't compete. And it's not just the market can't compete with Facebook, but the market can't compete to improve Facebook. It's very much Facebook is the way the Facebook team wants it, and you don't get a look in. Well, and it's different as well on that, just quickly on that specific note. It's different to a traditional product, right? Like, for example, if you've got a Peloton and a Nordic track, I think they're another company that makes bikes, right? The market will decide if Peloton becomes too expensive and they're not good and, and they stop being decent, the market will move elsewhere. But it's different with something like a social media network because the product, as everybody says, the product is you, right? And it's your information. It's your connections. So it's very difficult to move away from Facebook. And the only people who ever do that do it usually for ideological means. Yes. Like they disagree with Facebook and that's why they leave. So, yeah, it's very difficult to shift that. As I say, I'm sure ways to articulate this, and I've been trying to think of ways to articulate it, but I think if something like that unfollow everything tool were allowed, so people could take it upon themselves to clean up their Facebook experience or to alter it or to change it in ways that Facebook don't like because it's basically against Facebook's business model to make it easy for you to declare bankruptcy. So I've talked before on the show about how um, the youth of today – (laughs) <laughs> find it mu- well the youth of five years ago it might it might have changed again right um have a very different attitude to to us old people about things like email bankruptcy and phone number bankruptcy where every two or three years you just like get a new phone number get a new email address and just tell the people that you want the new one and the old one's just a black hole you just never look at it anymore and it's a very good way of making sure that you don't have this legacy list of people over your phone number. Now, to me, this is horrific, and I can't believe anyone does it. But if you adopt this as a policy, it's actually not a bad idea, because you don't have all these people from 10 and 15 years ago that you don't want to go through and clean up and everything. And being able to declare Facebook newsfeed bankruptcy every couple of years, to me, seems like a jolly good way of making sure that it's not full of stuff that you're not really interested in, but feel a bit uncomfortable about getting rid of. And as I say, I'm I'm reaching for an idea that I can't quite articulate here. But do you get the kind of thing I'm aiming at? So you want the most ba- you want the most badgery product person at Facebook to be Congress, basically? I might want that. Yeah, that's not. I wish you wouldn't put it that way. Uh, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. 
but it seems like the it seems like the main issue that um the whistleblower was saying what was sorry what was the name again i forget Horgan, what, francis Horgan. francis Horgan. we'll say francis um <laughs> the main set thing that francis wanted uh, like was 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 zoning in on here right was one something we've all all known for a while now which is controversial content solicits engagement right clicks responses comments things like that and the second is that the more cesspooly parts of facebook that facebook aren't doing enough about it and then that's resulting in uh for example um you know these issues with body image with young girls on instagram and things like that so it seems like the 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 root cause of all of this is getting rid of that shit off of Facebook. Now, we we said before we started recording this show, we don't want to get into a debate about what free speech is because it's it's too big of a question and we won't get anywhere. <laughs> right? But um I think what 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 is an interesting question is even if um there was some articulation of what that is, is that something that Facebook can even do, right? Because I I I I we all agree with 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 Francis Horgan's um am I saying it right um kind of claims right we all agree that those are bad things but even if facebook just decided they wanted to do that is it even possible like i mean there seems to like you can get rid of obvious stuff like let's say nazi related material you decide you're going to get rid of that and i'm sure there's going to be keyword analysis and this this kind of stuff but i just don't know if it's possible for social media platforms to remove this kind of con i just don't know if it's technically feasible so i don't i don't think it's about at least from my perspective removing the content completely uh it, for all definitions of the content like the most egregious stuff should immediately be removed yes but there's always going to of course where the yeah. line is will always be argued and i don't think exactly where it is it is really even that germane to the discussion i think with facebook specifically but other social networks as well the fact that they have let the algorithm take over and it's clear the most caustic posts are the most popular, which drive the next more caustic post, which is more popular. And that's become their platform. And it's not only become their platform, it's become their ideology, right? It's become engagement is the metric. Yes. And that's it the is. only metric yep. we care about. And by only caring about engagement, they have created a toxic place. Uh, paradoxically, I think that increasingly people don't want to be, when you say Facebook will keep making as much money as they are, I don't think that's true. I think I've, I've personally seen a sea change of people think differently about Facebook in a way that they are just leaving now. Like I know they do. Yes, they do. People have been saying this for years. Nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. People are still on Facebook. Yeah. The thing is, they just put up with it. Old people. No, loads of people are on Facebook. And, There's a reason and, why it's this. Yeah. And importantly, we're, uh, yes, even if we spot you that it's just old people who are on Facebook, um, people who are not as old are on Instagram, which is also Facebook. So that's a separate. Yeah. <laughs> so if you're talking just Facebook, it's all the same thing. Facebook, the platform, is also WhatsApp and is also Instagram. From a regular regulatory perspective, the one regulation that would have made sense is not allowing the Instagram acquisition to go through. That should not have right. closed realistically. Yeah. Right. So that would be one regulation that makes sense. But I think to your reeling it back to, is it possible? Yes. I think a more chronological newsfeed coupled with not just caring about engagement, but actually caring about, I mean, humanity sounds like a little bit too much, but caring about something more than just a single metric and 
having every decision made by that metric, I think would demonstrably improve the platform. It would never be perfect, but it would be better and probably better enough. I don't know how you get them to do that is the thing because if you say okay facebook there is now a law which says you have to care about more than engagement that's obviously not going to work so you're asking a different question now the question was if if they decided to do was it possible i am ah, contending right. the answer to okay. that is yes okay now that's 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 fair comment yeah so so if so if facebook decided they wanted to fix this the way they should fix this is to optimize for something other than engagement what should that thing be well, I was thinking about this because um, um, I'm, I'm not sure if you guys have seen this. I, th- I, th- I think this was on Twitter. Um, I saw a tweet on tw- uh, when was it? Like a week ago, something like that. No, notorious I- social network, <laughs> Twitter. <laughs> right. Yeah, and um, and I I had already read the piece. Like I'd already read that. It, kept, it popped up in my Google newsfeed, and I went to retweet it, and a little message popped up saying, um, "Do you still want to do this?" Given that you haven't read, you haven't read the piece. And I was thinking, that's a really cool little feature right there. Because all too often people just, Oh, I agree with that. Hit retweet, right? Yes. Based on the headline, they're doing a bunch of little nudgy stuff, which is either a good idea because they're doing something or not a good idea because they're not tackling actual problems, but whatever. <laughs> so to make a comparison, do you remember years and years ago when discussion forums were new? Um, you'd have these little things where, like, when you've posted 500 times, you get a little badge. When you've posted a 1,000 times, you get a little badge. And they instantly got games in every single community, right? Mm-hmm. One of the things I love about what Discourse does with their trust levels is, you know, Discourse trust level two is you've got to read a certain amount. You've got to post a certain amount. You've got to like. You've got to have some things like you fill in your profile. There's no flags. It's it's an amalgamation of of activity. And 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 it's it's more representative of of good contributions. I wonder whether... It not being bluntly to your point, Jeremy, about, you know, reactions and comments, which is pure engagement. Whether if Facebook were to somehow have a set of other metrics, such as do you read material? And, um, what is the level of, you know, clearly offensive material that in your, in your, in the history of your, of your participation? The, to me, the, the success criteria here is can you have a, reasonable debate with radically different viewpoints on facebook and that manifest in the news feed yep. right and have somebody just throwing up a an unwanted political opinion and everyone goes into the bun fight and have that not manifest in the in, in the news feeds that to me is the success criteria because one is a meaningful conversation well and i think twitter if you look at this like six months ago they changed their algorithm to if you keep retweeting things it will say we notice you haven't read any of these retweets are you sure you want to retweet this? And it adds that friction because they don't yeah. just want to have mindless things go viral. And I think that's what's so nefarious sometimes about the way that the Facebook feed algorithm works is it makes it seem like, well, of course everyone agrees with me, you know, except for my idiot uncle who I eventually have to unfriend because all you see is a seemingly random series of posts that enforce your viewpoints exactly, but they're not random. Yes. No. Because they totally are because right. they are algorithmically <laughs> chosen to make you think everyone believes this thing. Yes, which we understand, but I don't know that that most people I don't think understand that their algor- that their newsfeed is really an algor- a curated by an algorithm, not by a human curated series of things, not just everyone posting stuff. Well, so here is here is the thing. One of the things that I considered uh, as a suggestion for this, when Gamergate was going on, Randy Harper built a thing called GG Autoblocker which picked five leaders of uh, the Gamergate 
hate mob conspiracy. Um, and it basically made it easy to, it blocked anyone who, uh, followed more than two of them. So you could run this thing. And this is again, like the, the kind of third party tool to help you curate. This was for Twitter, not for Facebook. Um, but this is a third party tool to help you curate your Twitter experience, even though Facebook, even though Twitter didn't want you to be able to do this. And that plays into the sort of thing I was talking about earlier about third party tools to help you with the Facebook experience. But part of the reason I didn't suggest it is because John Owen, maybe I'm being unfair here, but I thought you would say that's a tool for creating echo chambers and that's not a bad, that's not a good idea. And you would have a bit of a point in that. But equally, what Jeremy's just said, and we both agree with, is that Facebook deliberately creates echo chambers for you. They're algorithmically doing it regardless. Yeah, the, 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 the challenge with Randy's tool, which I think is a really cool tool, and it, and it was necessary, certainly, when, when she wrote that. The challenge with that in my mind is I think there's a lot of people out there, and I'm one of these people, who follows people who I rabidly disagree with because I want to see both sides of the argument. Now, I don't agree with them. Um, I'm not going to interact with them, and I'm not going to post about their stuff, but I, I want to see it. And I'm not talking about like horrible shit on the internet. I'm not talking about like Stormfront and places like that. I'm talking about like interesting personalities. My worry about when you have that specific way of doing it is that I think it will generate an echo chamber. But I think what we're zoning in on here is what I think will be really cool for Facebook to do is to look at the measure of the person who's engaging as opposed to just engagement, right? So if you've got somebody who um, is a thoughtful contributor to a conversation, right? They That's not a metric, though. Not, not, a, Facebook, not a Facebook scale. I, th- I think it could be. Like... Jeremy gave the example of the idiot uncle. We've all we've all got someone like this in our families, right? The lunatic who just 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 takes the bile that they receive and just amplifies it and they don't really add anything or if they do add anything, it's completely uninformed bullshit, right? Those people don't add anything to any conversation on either side of the fence. I 100% agree with you. I just can't write a python script to identify them. And I would guess, and I don't know. So, just to be clear to listeners, the idiot uncle that I mentioned was the abstract. And I'm, I'm not thinking of anyone specific there. But in, I, in, in my, case you're, uh, Jeremy's actual uncle may listen to the show, I, I would have thought, and maybe I'm just being too naive or optimistic here, which would be rare but possible. Most people that are caustic in one sphere are probably genuinely driving reasonable conversations in different spheres. So then, do you only? Yeah not allow them to contribute to those posts algorithmically I, uh, and how do you figure or do you think some people are just want to see the world burn i i, I would them? i would like to see a citation for that because the stuff that i have read on this suggests that no one is a single issue bigger an awful lot of people who are bigoted in one sphere are also bigoted in a whole bunch of others as well and it's one of the indicating things about them uh so i would on that yeah the extreme so i'd I, agree with you that, i would agree with that yes there are, I mean, there are extremes, but, but the extremes, I would argue that Facebook's probably their current, whatever they got in place to get rid of the nasty shit on Facebook will probably apply to the people who are going to be bigots in multiple different areas. So, Jono, the, th- the thing I was trying to get across is um, when you were saying people who just amplify stuff and don't contribute to the conversation, that is something you can tell algorithmically. But you use the word thoughtful. And I don't see how a computer program can tell whether you're making a thoughtful contribution rather than just a long contribution. 
Right. It feels like it feels like any metric you come up with is first of all gameable, and secondly, people who are in the business of creating division on social media platforms have proved themselves to be a lot better at gaming algorithms than algorithm people are at stopping themselves being gamed. The reason why people are able to game the algorithms is because the algorithms are stupid, right? If you, I'll give you an example. One of the things I have seen consistently in the marketing world that people say, and I don't think there's anything especially wrong with this, is that if you do Facebook live live streams, right? They don't, the live stream is not, they, it, your live stream won't be recommended based upon how many viewers you get. It's how much people interact with it, right? So that's one of the reasons why people who do Facebook live streams will always ask you where you're connecting from and try to get people typing in because then you're gaming the algorithm to recommend your live stream, your future live streams to more people. But the reason why that works is because we know what the one metric is. It's typing stuff into the comment box. Take, for example, the, 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 the discourse example, trust levels. In that, and that's a relatively simple thing, they're measuring like five different things, right? So if you want to game that system, you need to know the recipe for all of those five different things. Facebook apparently, from what I've heard, for each individual account on Facebook are able to track up to 10,000 data points, right? So I think that Facebook could arguably come up with some amalgamation, it won't be perfect at first, where they measure all of these different elements and they're able to come to some reasonable degree of thoughtfulness, right? Assuming, again, as we said at the beginning of this little game, that they want to do it. (laughs) I think a reasonable level of thoughtfulness, though, is going to be the problem. Yeah. Well, and that's where the question is, like, is it even possible? I mean, you know, I don't know if if it is, right? Like, to me, the, 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 you know, the, the sniff test here is, did you, did you guys see that Heineken advert that I tweeted about? Did you see this? No. All right. This is actually relevant to this. Anyone should go, go and look up Heineken. It's on my Twitter feed, but there's like Heineken. I forget exactly what the name of it is. I'll look it up and and mention it in a second. But what they basically did is they brought, it's a really cool ad. They basically bring people with like, they interview a bunch of people about their political opinions. And there's some people saying trans people are terrible. And some people are saying trans rights matter and all this kind of stuff. They put them in a room. They don't know anything about each other. And then they get them to kind of work on a project together and they build a bar. And then what happens is they show them um, the video of them sharing their political opinions. And then they say, it's up to you now whether you sit down and have a beer and get over your differences. And everybody sat and had a conversation about it and everybody ended up becoming friends. And actually a friend of mine on Facebook told me that she knows somebody in that video who's still friends with the person they rabidly disagreed with. So to me, this, the test here, the sniff test for Facebook is enabling that. Two people who've got radically different opinions about something who can thoughtfully come and sit down and have a conversation. And it doesn't turn to name calling and bickering, which is so often the case on Facebook. I think the shared experience of having built something in the physical world is not replicable virtually in any way, shape, or That's form. That's for, sh- for sure true. If, yeah. if, if, yeah. if one thing has become apparent, and this is something we've all said that we didn't think was the case and we've turned out to be wrong about it's that building communities online felt like hey, we all come together to build a school or something and it's just not like that and we sort of brushed away the whole oh yeah people have arguments because ascii text is stripped of nuance and everything but actually that was the really key important point (laughs) um but so i want to talk about another uh facebook whistleblower sophie zhang 
And she, uh, she left Facebook six months ago and BuzzFeed wrote a very long thing about, she wrote a complicated memo because she was one of the people involved with, um, attempt, this is, uh, uh, very much around a political division. And she was in the department that attempted to stop people using Facebook to undermine political, uh, campaigns or their political opponents or the political opposition or whatever. Um, and the thing she said was that uh, Facebook were doing way less work than they should, especially out in places outside the US and how she, she was running very much unsupported. And the reason I mentioned her is that earlier this week, after Francis Haugen, um, uh, came up in the news, Jang said, you know, I've been talking to government agencies and they're still pursuing the stuff that I was talking about. And what she said, now you may not buy everything she says and it's worthwhile um reading the things in detail you probably read them six months ago uh buzzfeed but uh it's worthwhile reading over this again people listening to this but she said she did not believe that the failures she observed during her two and a half years at the company were the result of bad intent by facebook's employees or leadership it was a lack of resources and the company's tendency to focus on global activity that posed public relations risks as opposed to electoral or civic harm. And that, to me, rings very true. It's not that, much as it's quite convenient to believe that the governing board of Facebook and Mark Zuckerberg are sitting there going, ha ha, which Central African Republic should we overthrow today? That's actually not <laughs> how it is, right? It's, this is right. not, this is not smoky background conspiracy. Jeremy's doing the, I'm not sure about that. Look. So I, I don't think they <laughs> actively want that, but you look at, blundering into a foreign country where they clearly don't understand local not only local laws and languages but just societal norms and nuance setting up shop and then just the only thing they care about is scaling as quickly as possible and monetizing and then realizing too late that they've created a massive opportunity for harm like you think they would have learned it in Myanmar and they keep learning it over and over and over and not caring so the and not caring at some point means like are they actively planning it no are they actively trying to stop it? Clearly not. Yeah. I know. I 100% agree with you, but, and this is said about two thirds as a joke and one third completely seriously. If someone heard what you said there out of context and didn't know who you were talking about, and I said they're talking about, he's talking about the US State Department. I think people would go, huh, yeah, blunder into a country yeah, and yeah, don't know no, from their previous mistakes. I, no <laughs> argument. It's a pretty salient point. <laughs> You know, pretty salient point. So, but what, but the, 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 the thing, the thing to me, which rang true about that is that Facebook are under resourcing that department and partially because that department's under resourced and partially because of management, managerial directives, they go after stuff which looks bad for Facebook rather than is bad for the world. So is that something that they can choose? Well, if they were to decide to choose to fix this, they could choose to fix that. But a couple of things that came out in the leak were internal research of theirs showed a thing and it went directly all the way to Zuckerberg. Like, hey, this thing is actively causing harm. Should we stop? And the directive was no. Yeah. Okay. Fair. Yes. So, I mean, that's pretty clear cut to me. Uh, th yeah. Okay. So uh, completely apart from this, it, it, uh, there are things where I think Zhang was wrong and it is to do with actual, uh, 
terrible behaviour by Facebook. But, I mean, clearly, if we're going to ask the question, what could Facebook do to stop this happening? One of the things is that. Stop doing that. When someone, when they do a study and it says, this is causing people harm, should we keep doing it? The answer should be yes. And if the answer isn't yes, stop doing that. What fascinates me <laughs> is they seem to have a phenomenal internal research department that is well-resourced, and then they just ignore them. They just don't pay any attention to what they come up with. <laughs> it's just fascinating that they have the they, they do the research, do it well, and then are like, nah, okay, thanks for the research. The big question in these kinds of situations that I always ask, and not just big companies, but individuals, is what was the role of intent, right? So did someone intend to have the outcome that they're being criticized of? Or were they just, was it negligence, right? Or was it, you know, they just didn't know what they were doing? And um, as you both know, I'm a bit of an optimist. I I'd like to think that Facebook don't intentionally try to create negative situations like this, but I thoroughly believe, I think to Jeremy's point, that they keep making the same mistakes over and over again, and the machine isn't set up to learn from those mistakes. And the problem is, is it's one thing to kind of like fuck up and there's a bit of a PR bluster and then everybody gets back to normal, but when you are running the largest social network in the world, um, you fundamentally impact many many lives like you don't just get the luxury of oh i'm sorry this you know you don't get the pr apology like most companies get right you know, in the same way that when pg and e over here in california when the electricity goes out they don't get the luxury of taking time to try and figure it out and then put a you know groveling apology out there because hospitals aren't getting power and people aren't getting power and whatever else so, you know, with a lot of people, I think we can afford them the benefit of the doubt. But with Facebook, it seems like, the in my mind, there's it, there's less of an evil intent there. Their values might not be aligned with other people, but it just sounds like they're just not running the company how they should be running it. And they should, not, they should be learning from these kinds of mistakes. I mean, what's the difference between repeatedly, knowingly making the same decision and intent? Well, if you're knowingly making a, a, a bad, a, like a terrible... <laughs> if you're knowingly... If you're knowingly um Man, doing something that's for, such a good you know, question <laughs> if you're knowingly doing something wrong that's bad intent right i i concur yes but i think there's a lot it wouldn't surprise me if there's a lot of executives and middle managers at facebook who frankly just don't give that much of a shit and they're just not doing their jobs properly and they're and at the end of the day like with every business the way you fix that is accountability, and that's got to come from the top. That's got to come from Zuckerberg. Zuckerberg's got to basically say, if you don't, if 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 our teams don't fix these problems, you're out. That's the only way to fix it. So, but I don't know. I mean, it's difficult. It's easy to shit on Facebook, but yeah, yeah. I, I, I suspect I suspect <laughs> that it's it's more that they <laughs> they they. They're just making these mistakes. I don't know. But again, I'm an optimist. So anyway, we need to think about wrapping up soon because Jeremy's got a plane ride in two, two and a half minutes. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. So briefly summarizing, and do please add to this list. But I think we went into this asking the question, what could be asked of Facebook and what could they choose to do themselves? Yep. Um, yeah. To do this, what could be demanded of Facebook and what could they choose to do themselves on this? And we've actually got quite a few suggestions stop ignoring your internal research which tells you that you're doing things wrong um that would help yes uh, per <laughs> permit third-party tools to 
augment or change your Facebook experience without banning them. Um, learn from your mistakes. Optimize for metrics other than engagement as your first, last, and only thing to optimize for. Properly yeah. resource your internal improvement teams rather than giving them half as much resource as they need. And Zuckerberg needs to fire half of his team. Zuckerberg also needs to not ride on any kind of craft with a giant fucking American flag ever again. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So one thing I would be curious to discuss with the Bad Voltage community and, and head over to the our Slack or, or forum to chat about this is the the one thing here that's the most interesting to me from a technology perspective, because I think a lot of this is really not about technology, but one yes. piece is very much about yeah. technology. And that is, if you're a company over a certain size, should there be a mandate, especially if you are a platform predicated on, on social networking, is there some level of open data or open formats that should be mandated at, at a, I guess, government level? I don't know what government would be able to mandate it, perhaps the US, perhaps the EU. Um but is there some level of open graph or open data that should be mandated for companies these size? And if so, where would you draw the line and how would you draw it? I, I would be curious to see what the bad voltage community thinks about that. Yeah. One final question for the bad voltage community. Wouldn't it be cool if there was like an open source style standard or project where the recipe of all those data points for what goes into what 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 thoughtful communication means wouldn't it be cool if there was a project for that and what would you measure to to influence what's thoughtful oh, and what's not don't tell people hey let's collect loads and loads of data about people in uh, in order that we can work out more about them no no no, no, no just no, no, stop no. collecting the data I, I think you just recreated a <laughs> yeah, flock from first order principles congratulations Dude, that, so the the, the the ship of uh of 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 collecting data has already sailed and it sailed about 20 years ago okay my point is given the world that we live in right now wouldn't it be cool if all of these companies were working together to determine how, given the data that they've got, how they can influence what actually is thoughtful and non-thoughtful conversation? I agree. Why should this only happen inside of Facebook? So you want like a GPT-3 model for thoughtfulness? I want a standard for what thoughtfulness is. <laughs> I, uh, okay, so the I three of us broadly agree <laughs> on many things, and I don't think we would define it the same. So defining it for Earth seems oh, yeah. like I'm not saying it's not a big question. Untractable. Okay, <laughs> I'm not saying it's not. Also, when you figure that out, figure out how to stop to make people how, how people can use their fucking turn signals because that okay. continues to annoy okay, me. Yes, so, Jono, yes, I agree um, that you think that would be cool. So. <laughs> I mean, would it not be cool if everybody basically no, had a, a, no, a, f a no, formula? No, no, it would not be cool if there was an ISO standard for thoughtfulness that I have to meet no, up with. That no, no, me. that would yeah. not be cool. You are not understanding what I'm trying to do here. <laughs> I'm basically saying that on Facebook, if they were to figure out how to differentiate between a reasonable person having a reasonable disagreement with someone and a dickhead having a disagreement with someone. Why not share how that work, how they figure that out with the world? Isn't that the whole point of open source and open standards? Okay. Yes. Um, I will buy That's what that. I'm saying. Honestly, I don't think what you're describing is possible because of Goodhart's law. If you come up with a, um, a thing for this, then, then it will be gamed by almost by definition. But I think if you've got so many data points, it can't be gamed. That's the point. You can game it if it's one data point. The forum posts. If you're, if, if, I, if, if, it's, if it's, if Facebook are measuring a thousand w different, 
data points. And then through that thousand data points, there is a formula that determines thoughtfulness. You can't game it. It's impossible. There's no visibility on it. There's nothing to see to game. So, well, gaming it is not the problem. Since, anyway, since Jeremy, I'm assuming Jeremy is like he's taking tiny micro steps towards the airport as we speak. No, all good. Huh? He's also he's, he's also going to have the angriest flight. He's going like, <laughs> we needed another twenty minutes of this conversation. I'm going to sit in an airplane. So this conversation could have probably gone on for another two hours, to be honest. Oh, yes, without, without even trying hard. Yes, absolutely. Yes. So oh, oh, yeah. I will be interested to hear um, what the bad boys yes. have been to think. So yes. do let us know. Um, and we should say um, to everyone who's watching Marius edit this on Twitch, we think Marius is great. Really, we do, now that you've been through all of this. Cheers, Marius. And thank yes, you, Nerdzoo Media, yeah. for editing thank this. Thank you, Marius. All right. Peace out, everyone. By the way, given that this has been edited on Twitch, we should all point out the fact that we hate Marius. He sucks. I was going to say, also, <laughs> Twitch now knows how terrible all of us are at counting in unison. So, really <laughs> kick off to the show. Man, and, this can't uh, go well. Welcome, everyone, on Twitch. Well, was, was Marius on that list of Twitch ultra-paid Yeah, there, there, was, there was critical role, then it was Marius. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? No, it wasn't. <laughs> I never but, say in the word ultra ultra paid twitches ever again. Anyway, <laughs> who, uh, who started? Who I wants the intro? I'll do it. Yeah, yeah, you do it. Intro it and then introduce the topic. All right.